Hey everybody, welcome to Workforce Gaming. I'm Brad, here with Doug. Hey. This past gen has wrapped up. Mm -hmm. PS5s are pre-ordered, coming soon. Series X also exists. Maybe that's a little bit too dismissive, but that's okay. I'll get one eventually. But (laughs) before we get to those, we thought it'd be a good idea, just kind of fun, entertaining, to kind of look back on some of the things from the PS4 and uh, Xbox One generation, because I feel like it was just a really, really quality six or seven years worth of gaming that I think really did push Mm -hmm. things forward to new places. When I look at it, I just see quality all over the place. What are kind of your initial thoughts about this generation as a whole? I think you're right about just like the just like the general quality of games. When I was thinking back to like games I like to play, like maybe it's like 360 PS3 gen, there was a lot of stuff you're like, this game's good, but oh man, there's this one thing in it that's just like, oh, it's not great. Yes. But now it feels more like the reason you would or would not like a game is not because necessarily the quality of it. It's more like your preferences for things. So like, yeah, like if you want to play like a good survival horror game, there's just amazing survival horror games like that are just just quality where it's just like amazing, amazing games. You don't need to say it's like, oh, well, Resident Evil 2 is good. Well, accept this this stuff that's not very mm-hmm. good. But it's like, no, Resident Evil 2 is just a good game. But if you don't like survival horrors, you won't like it. Persona 5 is just a good game. But if you don't like JRPGs, you won't like it. So it felt like kind of what you were saying, like just that quality just like seeped throughout. Like if there is a genre you wanted a good game in, you could get a really good game in it. Kind of going along with that, I also feel like even those games that weren't that top tier whatever... I feel like yeah. it was very hard to find a bad game. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like you obviously could, but I mm-hmm. feel like 360 PS3, and even before that, if you randomly walked into a GameStop or wherever and you went, ooh, survival horror, to use your example, I'll just get this because it's survival horror. You've got that good shot of this just being just crap. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas I feel like now you walked in. Obviously, there's a couple, but for the most part, I feel like most of those games, if you go by like open credit scores, are 70 and up. I feel like it's hard to get below yeah. a seven this gen. You know, you know what's kind of funny? Actually, uh, right on that point, I was I was actually thinking about this as you were talking about it. I I think the way you can tell the quality has gone up, the discussion of why does every game get an eight has kind of gone yes. away. Because I think everybody's kind of agrees that like pretty much every game is about an eight right now, like at least. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and, and obviously you have your misses still, and there's games where you're like, sure. man, that was a disappointment. But I feel like every game... Almost like what you said, it's there's not that thing where you're just like, oh, this is going to kill it. I, uh, I can't deal with that. It's like, nope, I like survival horror. I know what kind of the tropes are for that. And every game that's in that genre is really going to hit those tropes. It's going to maybe do something unique. But at the worst case scenario, I'm going to get this very level, very eh, not bad feeling from each yeah, game. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and it's like I feel like that's like the foundation is everything is not bad. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, like when a game is excellent, it's just like it's just it's just kind of neat because you're in this already highly, highly competitive, probably like the, I would say like the most competitive gen as far as like just quality of games. Yeah. And then like once you've like broken through that with like a Breath of the Wild or Astrobot or Horizon or some of the games we'll be talking about, it just feels like it's like, oh, this is actually probably some of the best games like ever made period <laughs> like yeah. as you're playing it it's just like oh i'm playing one of the best games it may not be my favorite game but like i would have a hard time arguing this is not one of the best games i've ever played in my life yeah and it just felt like that constant step up and i think one of the things for me personally that did that is just the way narratives were structured in this gen mm-hmm. when i look back at the games that i really really dug into a lot of them had such strong narratives that i feel like just wasn't happening ps3 xbox 360 or even before that 
Um, mm-hmm. You obviously, you had good stories, you had strong stories, but I just think this got to kind of that point where I was like, this is when, when people are like, oh, games, games should be like, have that movie feeling where you kind of get yeah. that. You play Uncharted 4, one of my favorites, and you get that very clear, like, okay, like this has a really well-developed plot. Things are happening. Things are always moving. The narrative pieces are big. The set pieces feel amazing. And it just, it gives you that feeling of like, man, I'm like playing through a movie. Yeah. I'm, I, that I feel like we finally reached that level where you're not like, oh yeah, it's a good story, but it's a video game. I feel like you've kind you know of lost think- that ca- caveat almost. Yeah, you know what I'm thinking though. I'm thinking more. I think it's more that the that the stories have been aligned to the gameplay better. Kind of what you're saying, like Uncharted Four feels like you're playing a movie, not just because the plot is a good plot for a movie, but because all the gameplay is like centered around that aspect. Yeah, I'm just thinking of like Hades. Like Hades has a really good story because it's the mechanics match with the story so well. And I'm thinking like older JRPGs, like. I think there's there's always disconnect. Even all the action adventure games, there's kind of this disconnect between the story and the gameplay. And True. now it just seems like they just like melded them both together so well. So when you play Uncharted Four, it's always a blockbuster game. It always feels like you're playing a movie when you're in the game and when you're watching a cutscene. There isn't there's like not that's it's blurred so well together that it's kind of like, you know, I'm getting not the narrative is good. Also, the gameplay is good. Also, they are playing off each other in interesting ways. That's like that's basically excelling both of them. And, and I think part of that is one of the developments this gen that you got was a lot of the camera pan down back into gameplay where you're sure. watching yeah, that cutscene, and then you're like, okay, this is cool. This is cool. This is cool. And then I remember, you know, early on in this gen, because it didn't, I think, I'm sure you could come up with a couple of PS3, 360 games that mm-hmm. did it, but I feel like this just those first year or so where that camera would pan down and then you're like, yeah. Oh, oh, this is still, oh, okay, I'm playing the game now. Like, I think that does so much for it. Because like you said, before it was like, oh, here's this cool cutscene where this, this, and this is happening. Oh, now I'm over here now. Okay, cool. What am I doing now? What? Yeah. What just ha- okay, that's, oh, I get it now. Okay, I'm making the connections. And I think, like you said, having that kind of blurred line between all of that stuff does a really good job of pushing that narrative in a way that feels unique, that feels specific to what you're doing. Yeah, I also like getting like, I feel like now instead of just the panning down, you also get tackled into cutscenes sometimes too, <laughs> yes, which is kind of fun. Yes, yes. Like I, I'm playing Resident Evil 7 right now, well, trying to, I'm <laughs> trying my best, <laughs> but it is cool. It's just like, it's not like, oh, I opened the door and now I'm in a cutscene. It's like, oh, this shit came out of nowhere and I'm like a 10 minute cutscene. I was not expecting at all whatsoever. Yeah. Um, I, I really, I really do love that kind of like blurring back and forth between it. Cause you're, you're both going, it's like, oh, this is playable, mm-hmm. which I, ah, it's so it's so much fun. Yeah. Yeah, which I don't feel like happened pre this gen. I don't feel like there was ever like, a, oh, this is playable moment. It's like a fade to black. Oh, okay. Now set the controller down. Let's watch what's happening. Maybe I get some fun quick time events, but that's about it. Yeah. And I feel like it's not just action adventures. I feel like a lot of other, like almost all genres, I feel oh, like yeah. we're doing that in some way. Even like like 2D side scrollers were doing that. Like there's interesting narrative stuff with like inside and stuff where they're doing narrative while you're playing. Yes. Um, kind of thing. Yeah. Graphics are something that I don't normally focus on, but I feel like this gen kind of hit the peak of graphics. Yeah. I I feel like games look as good as I ever imagined they would be as a kid. Yes. <laughs> like when I was playing Final Fantasy VII Remake and then realizing Final Fantasy VII Remake looked a bazillion times better than any of the pre-rendered stuff in Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> uh, and arguably some of the other Final, like uh, some of the other Final Fantasy pre-rendered stuff, it's just like, Oh, games are like way better looking than I ever even could have imagined. So like when you even like when you see a PS5 game, it's like, well, I don't know. It looks like it could have happened on PS4. It's like, yeah, because PS4 games looked fucking amazing. <laughs> exactly. Like 
when when you're at such a good spot, I feel like yeah. every gen before this has always been measured on that. Like, what's what does a game look like now? Where I feel like now the conversation is so much centered because we've gotten to that point. The conversation is so yeah. much centered on what's the controller doing different? How is this loading different? What are some yeah, of the yeah, like yeah. things we can do with frame rates now that we couldn't do? Where you're going more to that performance and that feel more so than just. But look how cool Spider Man looks now. Yeah, it, it's kind of weird too because you think about some of the popular games too. Like I think some of the popular games, like I'm just like thinking like Fortnite and Minecraft and stuff, they're not even like amazing graphics games. Like the biggest game right now is Among Us, and I, like it looks like crap. I love it, but it looks like <laughs> crap. Um, but it's kind of interesting because it seems like it seems like graphics have just gotten so good that you don't really sell games with graphics anymore because every game looks good. Yeah. And now it's like a lot. I think there's like a cool focus on like mechanics. It seems like we've kind of gone out like horizontally as opposed to like keep going mm-hmm. vertically as far as graphics go. We've kind of kind of go horizontally. Like what are people doing uniquely with like gameplay and that sort of thing as as well as also like, you know, making games that like Death Stranding or, or Horizon or something. It's like, oh, you just you couldn't you couldn't have done this concept at all in the previous gen just because you really need that really strong visual design that's really mm-hmm. highly detailed and stuff. Yeah. And now I feel like, like you said, it's so much more into the design aspect. And I think even with indie games becoming more and more of a thing here, and just there's so many games that there's so many games doing unique things because the way you differentiate yourself isn't by look how much better Gears of War 3 looks than Killzone 2. It's mm-hmm. look at the cool things that Gears 5 is doing versus the cool things that Horizon is doing versus the cool things that like mm-hmm. some tiny indie game like What Remains of Edith Finch is doing and you get these comparisons versus just like, but look at what it looks like. Yeah. And it feels, it feels like everybody's doing their own kind of cool, unique things. Mm-hmm. And like, it can be graphics. It can be art design. It can be narrative. It can be this. It's like, everybody's just like excelling at like whatever specific thing they want. And then not only is their narrative or whatever good, but also their graphics, also this, also that it just seems like everybody's like, I was saying that like kind of foundation of everybody, everything is pretty good. Yep. And then like, you can excel in like one aspect and everything else at the part of your game is still going to be pretty good. Yep. Um, I kind of think before we get into some specific games that kind of stick with us, the last thing that I think really sticks out to me here is just remakes. Yeah. Remakes became a huge deal here. Um, Everything from Final Fantasy VII to Resident Evil to even Super Mario 3D All-Stars. You know, everything is there was so much. Let's take what we did in the past and really make it something new, with the exception of 3D All Stars, which is just pretty much a bad example. (laughs) example, But super well selling thing right now. But with a lot of these remakes, the actual remakes, you're really seeing like, let's take the vision that we had and push it to something new. And I think Final Fantasy VII is, I know one of your like all time favorite games at this point, you would say the remake, not the original. But Mm -hmm. just seeing the way that that looks versus what other things look like and just the way that that's taken something from the 90s and made it new is something that i don't think we ever had before no i think the thing that i think that the reason i think like the the final phase seven remake even and even resident evil 2 i'll kind of include in this conversation is that um if you think about final fantasy 7 like the people who worked on final fantasy 7 end up working on final fantasy 7 stuff for just a really long time People who worked on yeah. Resident Evil 2 just end up working on Resident Evil for a really long time. It feels like for whatever reason, this gen, it seems like you can tell that the people who are making these remakes 
were the people who grew up with these games, yes. not the people who've been working on them for like 30 years. Like those people are still there, mm-hmm. but it feels like there is just like a passion that you don't see with like, I would say like, like um, previous remakes I said that had a lot of passion behind it was like Tomb Raider anniversary. Yep. But I just think with like Final Fantasy seven and Resident Evil two, they, instead of just saying like, how do we repeat these games mechanically? It's like, how do we repeat the feeling of playing these games? Which I think yeah. is like a very interesting and unique way to look at a remaster that's different than like let's just make it 4k and release it on whatever it's like no (laughs) let's try and replicate the feeling i had as a kid turning on final fantasy 7 or turning on resident evil 2 or turning on crash team racing like what is Mm -hmm. that feeling and then how do we capture that it's not a one-to-one remake it's that but it is that emotion i think that has like really captured me at least with like remakes and remasters that's made them feel a less I mean, there's definitely corporate remasters. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> for uh, sure. There, there's very much the like, let's just throw out there, aka Super Smash Bros. or Super Mario 3D All Stars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But it, it feels like now when I when you hear about a remake, there's there's like I think there's more excitement for for me about it, or and for you as well, where it's mm-hmm. not just like oh, this is just going to be like a hey, let's let's hire a tech company to and I, I, those are still respectable in their own rights. Like you can't really remake the last of us <laughs> like you do just yeah. you do just remaster it but it does feel like those remakes like there was a lot more heart and passion that was kind of missing even from those franchises for a long time yeah and again like blue point made a name for themselves by doing that by taking these games that are just yeah so beloved and really putting that time and effort in there and slight side note but i almost feel like you got the same thing with games like devil may cry 5 where sure that yeah, feels yeah. so much like somebody went back and was like man what made devil may cry work okay let's go back to that feeling versus all right let's just keep pushing this thing forward we need a new one we need a new one we need a new one but i feel like there's a couple other examples too where it's like let's reach back let's reevaluate what can we make that how can we make this something that still holds that same emotion that we got there years before but doesn't feel like we're just trying to push it forward resident evil 7 i think fits in that too yeah, I, and um, like Monster Hunter World, like, yes. I don't know, we're not big fans of that, but it's just like, hey, let's like, and I think it really is that passion of the people who played these games and grew up with them are yeah. now old enough to be making them <laughs> Yeah, as well. Yeah, and again, I think that's almost where like what we see as these games that are like, man, this is what I pictured as when I was growing up. We're getting those because the people who are making games are the people our age who grew up with yeah. the same games we did. So, of course, they're kind of in their yeah, mind. Exactly we were in middle school at the same time playing whatever final fantasy seven. And we're like, man, like, couldn't that be cool 30 years from now? And here we are not 30, but 20 years from now. And yeah. and they have that same feeling that we did. So now we're able to get that feeling from them because of what they've done with the game. Yeah. And they weirdly feel like fresh games. I don't, there's something like weirdly fresh about when you're playing a remake, like, Oh, it's not just replaying this game. It is, it feels like I'm, I don't know. I'm playing, passion there's passion behind them yeah. for some reason i don't know if the, there's a lot of passion you can feel behind those games now which is kind of fun yeah and that's not to say that there's not passion behind the other ones but i think i think it's sure. there, there's a different feeling in final fantasy remake than there was in like i enjoy the game final fantasy 13 sure <laughs> <laughs> caveat i do really like final fantasy 13 i don't you play, love final. Play, I don't play the trilogy game. it's great anyway <laughs> um so kind of what i want to look at here is um just some games that stuck with us so yeah Games that, you know, when you look back and you go PS4, 10 years from now, what are the games that stick with you? Like PlayStation 1, Metal Gear Solid, first thing that comes pops in my mind every time. What sure. are the games that PS4 that are going to pop in your mind right away whenever you think about that? So um, 
We both kind of picked a few. I'll let Doug kind of start out with a couple of his and see where we go. Yeah, I'm sure that a lot of this, a lot of these lists, I'm sure have crossover and that sort of thing. Looking at um, your list, no, but continue anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, I think, I think the best thing to kind of like push into like basically all that things we we're talking about, like all the best things about this gen, um, about just like quality and just cool and passion and that sort of thing. I think Horizon, I think, is like kind of the epitome, not epitome, but I would definitely say like the most emblematic yeah. of this generation, where yep. it feels like it. There's something so creative about that game. Um, to me, just the setting, the the main character, the B plot, the A plot's okay. B plots are really, <laughs> really good. Um, just the uh, the the design of the creatures. The it feels like a very very strange game, mm-hmm. um, which I like. But it has it's 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 weird that that was that that game was pumped millions and millions and millions of dollars in because it is such a weird yeah interesting setting that i feel like you wouldn't necessarily see that in previous gens like maybe bioshock but i feel like bioshock would be more like the exception to the rule mm-hmm. um but i think just horizon i think just like above the board just all, all across the board is just like i think it just shows the creativity of this gen i think it shows the quality of this gen i think it shows that like the sort of like exploring like um that it seems like something that'd be like kind of a niche product, <laughs> but it has that backing of millions of dollars and that sort of thing. And I, I just, I just feel like that game was something that seemed like an impossible game. It's from the Killzone guys too, which is yeah. also kind of fun. It's like it's like they went from Killzone two and three, and no, there's no Killzone four and Shadowfall. There's Shadowfall, a Killzone yep. four to Horizon, which is just like this entirely fresh look. And it feels like every, it feels like not every, but I'd say like a lot of these companies came in with like fresh ideas whether it's a fresh idea for a new ip or a fresh idea for you know an older ip kind of like what we were talking about before um so i just felt like like to me horizon is just like just the epitome of just all all of the not epitome i keep saying that it's (laughs) it's not even necessarily my favorite game (laughs) Uh, but i think but to me it just hits all those like markers of like things that i see of this gen as just being like you know the reason it's a good gen (laughs) Yeah, and I think it encapsulates a lot of those things that we were talking about. The narratives there, the graphics are there. It's kind of like when I was running around in some of these games with these cool fantasy stories and um, back on like PlayStation 1, even PlayStation 2, it has that feeling of this same idea of what I pictured. Like, man, this is what I want. I want to run around in this crazy world where there's weird robot dinosaurs and I'm not just shooting them. Yeah. I think that, again, when we're talking about these new gameplay tactics, that game is more about hunting, trapping, trying to do different things with these more than just running up to it with a gun and shooting it for four minutes and hoping it falls down. Oh, sure. That's a good point. Yeah. When I think about that game, I just remember being just so enthralled with the story of that game and just the world that they built. And I think the world building in that game is incredible. And it just constantly made me want to do more and more and more. It's one of the few games that I have a platinum trophy in because I just, I, I, without even thinking, just was like, I I need to go over there. I have to go over there. And I think this gen got so yeah. much into those open worlds of like, just go anywhere and explore. And this was the one game where I just was like, I, I need to go explore. I don't, I want to know more. Like I won't tell me more about this story. Tell me more about this building. Tell me more about what happened. Yeah. Tell me more about, you kind of said the A plots kind of, eh, which I kind of agree with, but even with that, I want to know where did these different tribes come from? Where did, how they develop these things out of the wreckage of this rest, other civilization, just, there's so much about that game that just really hits me and really just makes me talking about it now, just wanting to start fresh and just go play it again. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, that's, oh, that's, no, no, you're totally right. I, I like that. It's, yeah, it definitely feels like a world you want to, it's funny because I feel like people have talked about that sort of experience with other games and like, I didn't really feel it as mm-hmm. much as yeah. I did with Horizon. Like Fallout 3, I think is a very cool world, but like, I don't know, there's just something about Horizon's world that just felt so out there and cool yeah. and unique and fun to pull apart. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because part of it too is you weren't expecting what you got. I think yeah, a lot of true. that B-plot, a lot of the world building I didn't expect. I was just expecting like, oh, weird robot dinosaurs. Let's go get it. Cool. Great. And as you go through the game, you realize that that's not really what this is. And it's funny because that is an action adventure game when the things we're talking about, like the narrative and that sort of thing would usually be reserved for other genres. Absolutely. Previously. Yep. And again, I think another game that really, I don't think it'll stick with me quite as long, quite as long, but that I think did a similar thing as Ghost of Tsushima where Sure. It really does pull all these elements together to create this really cool product. It doesn't quite stand up to Horizon in my mind, but I think, again, it's just you you, you kind of use the phrase um, that it kind of just brought this gen all together. And it just encapsulates everything that we talk about when we talk about this gen, this gen into this one game. And I think mm-hmm. Horizon and Ghost of Tsushima both do that really well. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Yeah. Yeah, what game? Oh, yeah, I'm curious what game you want to talk about next. <laughs> oh, you want to go back and forth? Yeah, I think it'd be fun. Why not? Okay. Well, Horizon was on my list too, but um, I know <laughs> um, Yakuza Zero. Uh, nice this game. Yes. So <laughs> Doug tried to get can me you, to get, wait one sec, real quick. You have not actually just talked about. I don't think we've ever mentioned what you did after Yakuza Zero. I think we talked about Yakuza Zero review, and then we never talked about Yakuza again. Okay. So, Brad, after you finished Yakuza Zero, what did you do? I played through every other Yakuza game <laughs> except three. I couldn't find a copy of three, like. That's fine. <laughs> Easily and cheap. But I played through every Yakuza game in Judgment. And then I was still waiting on, what was the game they just did? Fist of the North Star. I was trying to find that because I just want to play more Yakuza style games. But Yakuza so Zero, I think, again, is just one of those games where as I'm playing through it, it's just such a cool game that does so many weird and unique things that yeah. it's it's just like it's unforgettable in weird little ways like just money flying out of people and that not seeming weird in the middle of this like crazy crime story and i'm punching guys and money's flying out and it's like oh no of course money be flying out that fits that fits (laughs) why wouldn't that fit that makes so much sense um and just the the story i think right away there having no background of one through six and just seeing the way that these characters what these characters are doing and going like okay like how on earth do you maintain this kind of story for six more games and keep it interesting and they do um yeah i could easily sit here and talk about kiwami or Z- or six or kiwami 2 just as much not four and five i don't care for four and five but <laughs> those, those don't count for this gen anyway so it works out for us sure sure but sure, sure. it's just so the the story it's such a weird thing because i'm really not a crime story person yeah but just this weird story of like the back and forth between um kiryu and Majima and going back and forth and seeing the way their stories kind of intertwine. And again, it's just this weird narrative thing where you've got so much going on, but then you've got these little tiny pieces that just add to the world, almost like with Horizon, where it's like, okay, like, of course I'm going to go, like, help this little kid find his favorite video game. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's such a cool game. It's funny because I, I think what the cool thing about Yakuza is, like, you, the most interesting part is that main story, 
But like the in between the story beats when you're just doing like random side stories, that stuff is just like it keeps your interest level just throughout. Yeah, like, I was the thing I was felt about Yakuza. It's like my interest level never dropped because no. when I'm not paying attention to the main story, I'm doing other cool, weird side stories that like tonally just keep it interesting. Mm-hmm. I think because you don't. It's like I don't know. You, you with every submission, you just never know what you're gonna get. Yeah, and it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be scary. It's gonna be sad. It's gonna be heartfelt. It's gonna be something it's gonna be an emotion (laughs) yeah absolutely and again i think that's part of it is just the pacing is because other games i think you get these you know you kind of get your ebbs and flows of the story we're like okay we're kind of in a down moment for an hour or two that's fine but in a down moment in yakuza zero it's like i guess i'll just go do this weird wacky thing i'll go play baseball for like a half hour why not like sure what the hell like i'll go become the home run king and everything like you have all these weird little pieces that when there is that lull in the main story which there are some you're just like, oh, well, all right, I'm kind of bored by this. What weird things over in this corner of Kamarocho? Let's go check that out. Yeah. And then, and then weirdly, I think you're like, you'll, too, you'll find kind of your favorite stories buried in there somewhere as well. Yeah. And, and you kind of get these, and especially as you play through the series, you get these weird connections with these side characters that really are completely irrelevant to everything. But you'll see kind of, you'll sure. kind of see them a couple times and you'll get these connections to these people. And it's just, it's such a cool game. It's so unique. And there's, I think my initially I played four because you recommended and I was like, this is crap. Get out of here. And initially, I think part of it, too, is I was was like, oh, it's just like it's like Japanese Grand Theft Auto. And that's yeah, that's doing it such a disservice because it's a so much better. And B, it's just not even in the same like category of game. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, it shook up the JRPG. (laughs) and, And yeah, it's just. I think it's one of those things where it was such a surprise to me, too, because this is a game I went into, like, I think I ended up buying it, like, a year after it came out for, like, 10 bucks, because you were like, no, seriously, like, this is better than four, just give it another try, give it another try, and I was like, oh, fine, whatever, I'll put this in, and it was just like, all right, guess I'm playing seven Yakuza games, like, this is cool, <laughs> like, <laughs> there goes, what, seven times 40 or 50, 300, 350 hours of my life, okay, fine. Sure. <laughs> but, yeah, all right, so we're going back and forth, so give me another one. Uh, I got to talk about Bloodborne. I got to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who haven't followed us for a long time, I don't like Bloodborne. That's fine. Okay, continue. And I will not stop shutting up about Bloodborne. I think the one thing uh, about, um, I think one of the things we were talking about at the beginning of the gen, it's like kind of these, I guess we didn't really talk about too much, um, was these games we kind of dreamed of as, as a kid were kind of, to me, this is like the furthest I ever thought games would be. And for a really long time, I was always jealous of JRPGs having cool monsters mm-hmm. and pretty much just cool monsters. I was always jealous of JRPGs. <laughs> this is a funny story. I, uh, I went to, I went to Catholic school for a little bit and I was not Catholic. Um, but my parents wanted me to go to a Catholic school for some reason. <laughs> and then during mass, I would read the final fantasy eight prima strategy guy. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> and then in the back, they have like all the monsters, right? Oh, yeah, yep. So, I'd sit there and read the monster description, like, oh my God, this is so cool. And I hated turn-based combat as a kid. Like, I didn't understand it. It was weird, confusing, and I hated it. And then I was just like, damn it, why do why does Final Fantasy get all these cool monsters, but they're no fun to fight? I kind of uh, disagree with that. I still kind of agree with myself. But anyway. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but then like Bloodborne and then like Dark Souls to another extent. But I think Bloodborne probably is more than the other Souls game. It's just they just brought in like these cool creatures that like as a kid, and I think even RPGs back in the day, it's like you know, mechanically, we had to figure out a way to make you fight these monsters because, yep. you know, the, the technology isn't there. And then it's just like, oh, no, here is actually how you fight that monster. Like, how you fight. I, it's hard to even talk. It's like, with spoilers, spoilers and stuff, yeah. obviously. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, but like you can fight a giant six-armed scythe wielding thing and it's scary as hell and it's attacking you like you would imagine it would attack you and it's just as hard as you'd imagine actually fighting the thing um so i just thought bloodborne was just like it just it fulfilled that sort of childhood dream i had of just like wanting cool monsters to fight yeah and it just has argue not not even arguably it has the coolest monsters like <laughs> period it has the coolest monsters there's no other game that has cooler monsters than bloodborne I'll, I'll take and there's so it. much fun to fight i'll take your word well, for it yeah <laughs> <laughs> i made it a couple hours and, a, but i get that yeah. everything you're saying like makes sense because just even in the little bit of time i played with it the art direction is so good and yeah. everything about oh, yeah. the feel of it is so good it's just i can't get past the gameplay but um no i know when when you talk I, about I, those kind of like the the feel of it i can totally get that and it does have just this really cool unique feel to it and the world's really just it's fun to kind of walk around in for a little bit until you run into things and go oh man i'm gonna die yeah, it's it's the it feels oppressive in like yes. certain ways, but the gameplay also matches that, which is kind of fun. Feels very I just think oppressive. that's like, <laughs> <laughs> I just think I've already talked before, like with the narrative being in lockstep with the with the gameplay, I feel like that game like that that game really does that that really, really well. Mm-hmm. And it was also the game that got me to buy a PS4. So Yeah. I mean, so that makes sense yeah. that it would be here. Yeah. <laughs> Mine was Killzone Shadowfall. <laughs> We're not that's... talking about Killzone Shadowfall. <laughs> So, Brad, do you want to talk about Killzone Shadowfall? <laughs> I honestly don't think I could have more than a minute conversation about Killzone Shadowfall. I remember being in a plane flying over a city and like, man, this looks really cool. And that's all yeah. I remember about Killzone Shadowfall. I, I just remember the opening as well. I yeah. also played it. I just remember the opening. Mm-hmm. I thought the opening that, was pretty. <laughs> that's about all that was there. I'm going to cheat a little bit. I don't know if this counts or not, but I want to talk about Super Mario Odyssey. That came out in the last like seven years. It's not sure. necessarily. Yeah, it doesn't, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely. N- this N- Nintendo does their weird on side stuff, but yeah. This is a game where I was like, when we were thinking about this, I don't know if a month ago I would have put it here. But having just played through a lot of Super Mario 3D All-Stars, this game is such a dramatic step up from like 64 and Sunshine. I haven't haven't played Galaxy yet on there. I've been playing through Sunshine and 64. Sure. Going back and playing those after playing Odyssey, I'm like, oh, wait, Odyssey is what I thought I was playing. I wasn't playing Odyssey. Yeah. I, was, I wasn't playing Odyssey. <laughs> and I remember when I first started playing Odyssey, I was like, man, this is like, oh, it takes me back. This is what it was like playing Mario 64. And almost like you talked about with Final Fantasy 7, where yeah. in your mind, this is what that game was. Or I think Resident Evil 2 That's is fine. probably a better comparison there. But in your mind, this is what Super Mario 64 is. And don't get me wrong, Super Mario 64 is still one of the greatest games that's ever been made. But playing it now, Odyssey is so much just that feeling that style just taken and just cranked up to 11 and playing through those old ones makes me just kind of the whole time I'm playing those. I'm like, man, this is, this is a good game. I wish I was playing Odyssey though, just because <laughs> the evolutions that they've taken and everything yeah. feel so necessary and feels, it just feels so good to play that game. And just the, the weird things they did in it are just so mm-hmm. unique and are just so not Nintendo. Having been playing Nintendo for sure 27 years worth of Nintendo games, like yeah. Odyssey does not feel like a game. And again, I don't want to get into spoilers because there's stuff that just comes out of nowhere in that game Yeah, that it doesn't feel like a game Nintendo would have ever made. And it just does so yeah. much good because of that. It 
it, I remember when I was when I when I played it. I played it as well. Um, it was like it was kind of. I haven't played a lot of 3D Mario, so this is kind of my introduction to 3D Mario, which is kind of weird. <laughs> um, but I did play a lot of the Game Boy games mm-hmm. um, for Mario, which were these like weird sort of like side story things. And like, yep. when I think of Mario, I think of like fighting giant ants inside a mechanical pig, <laughs> and people are like that's not what Mario is. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. But to me, that that was what Mario was. It was like this very, very weird franchise. And then like my favorite aspects of it, the play, the things I played kind of got forgotten. And mm-hmm. then when I played Odyssey, it reminded me of the feeling of playing Mario Land, where it was this weird sort of like, I don't know what the hell is going to happen next. Um, it felt – Mario Odyssey to me – and actually, and I'll say a smaller part of like – and also like Breath of the Wild. To yeah. me, it felt like Nintendo was saying it's like we are going to completely rethink these franchises kind of thing. Yeah. Which is why I bought a Switch. And they, they didn't really do that, but it's okay. They, <laughs> they did that first year. And again, I think Breath of the Wild is another one that I could have easily put here. Um, I'm just not sure. as big of a Zelda fan as I am Mario. But Breath of the Wild does the same thing where it's like I think have, if I went back and played Ocarina of Time right now again – Ocarina of Time, amazing game, but I think yeah. having played Breath of the Wild, it just kind of gives you that feeling like, man, like the what they've done is such a crazy step forward compared to what these these games that are some of the all time greats yeah. are. The step forward they've taken just feels so good. Yeah. It feels like the yeah, I like I like what you said when you said it's like it feels like what it felt like, what I thought Mario 64 mm-hmm. was, what I thought these games it's they they captured the feeling of playing those games, yeah, exactly. which is very cool. And that's what you were saying with with some of these remakes and remasters, where that it puts you back in that mind. It's that this is that feeling we had growing up. Yeah, yeah. All right, what else you got? Oh, ooh, um, uh, I want to talk about one real quick because I I think um, Inside is a perfect game. I think there is nothing you can say about Inside that is not just. And not, I'm not even saying it's the best game. I just think, like, as far as quality goes, we talk about quality. Like, to me, like, Inside is just perfectly made. <laughs> okay. Um, just, it just, it's clean. All the animations, everything just yes. gels together. It's not even my favorite game, but I just thought, like, that game absolutely just freaking blew my mind. Um, mm-hmm. Just in a number of ways of how the na- narrative and the gameplay and everything ties together in the weird, weird, weird places it goes. Um, that's all I wanted to say about Inside. I just feel like I, <laughs> like, I just... I think about Inside a lot. <laughs> inside is what I still think about the ending of Inside. Like every once in a while, I'll be like, "That I'm trying to." I'm still like debating what it meant. <laughs> In, inside is one of those games. That I think you're right. It's just a technically, it's just it. It is borderline perfect in the the technical things that it does, and the animations, the look, the feel. Yeah. Um. Just all of that stuff is just it's perfect. I still feel like I'm too dumb to understand Inside. That's fine. <laughs> Because like you're sitting here like, I still don't know what that ending means. And I remember finishing it like, I don't know what the hell that was, but I'm sure I missed something somewhere along the line. <laughs> but wow, that was fun to play and cool. But I'm sure I think I missed something because I don't quite get it. <laughs> it, it it's I it's it's weird. It's like the most it's like one of the most metaphorical games I've played. Like I haven't played like it's like it's weird. It's like we made a we made a very, very well-defined metaphor <laughs> it's like for what i'm not quite sure either like i agree like, I, don't, I don't i don't totally know but to me it's just like they perfected five hours of gameplay yes like they spent five years or 10 years on just five hours of gameplay and it's just like the most perfect five hours yes and i wouldn't say, again it's not the best it's just there's like nothing about it that i could point to it's like that wasn't very good it's like no that game is just quality throughout yes there, there's there's no flaws there's nothing where you're like oh but that that one level had the weird jump there's none of that it's yeah. just 
every second of that game is fine-tuned so well. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's a cool and it's just a cool unique weird thing too. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just feel like I felt like I should mention inside. For sure. <laughs> For sure. Um way different style Uncharted 4. Um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Uncharted 4 I think was one of those weird games sometimes like I feel like I've had a couple of these games where it's like I realize I'm an adult now. And Uncharted oh, 4 is sure. one of those games where it's like damn, I'm an adult now. Like just Nathan Drake going through mundane life, going home, doing the dishes, sitting on the couch, playing games for like an hour before you fall asleep. Like (laughs) connected (laughs) so hard with that. Oh man, their relationship, the relationship stuff in that is like, oh shit, that's like a... Exactly. And and whenever I go back to narratives and I go back to characters, I go back to structure of things like that. Uncharted 4 sticks out in my mind just because... It is such a realistic depiction of what would Nathan Drake be doing a few years after he retires? Like, yeah. yeah. And it's like, yeah, you're going to go spend like five minutes in your attic in your basement and play around with your dumb little toys that you used to have. Like, everything just hit me so hard about that game about, damn, I'm an adult now. Nathan Drake's an adult. Like, yeah, this sucks. But Nathan Drake still gets to go have a cool adventure. Like, this is awesome. And like, it's like the whole time you've kind of got that nagging feeling like, I don't know if this is what Nathan Drake should really be doing. You're kind of old, Nathan Drake. Like, yeah, I think it just so well encapsulates that, like, I'm too old for this shit type of story. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's, it's, um, I don't know. I was thinking, um, like recently, kind of when you go out for like, I, 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 I try to, I don't want to make like too personal a story, but like, <laughs> I had a, a, like a recent thing where like I had gone like drinking with like friends and stuff. Mm-hmm. And there was a point though, where I was just like, you know, it's getting a little late and I think I'm not, this isn't, this was fun when I was like 23 <laughs> yep. or 24. Like mm-hmm. this would be like the best night ever. But now it's just like, you know, I definitely enjoyed the time I had, but I've, I've, there's something like beyond that. And it's kind of like, I feel like uncharted four is him doing like that sort of bender night of drinking. That would have been super <laughs> yes, fun exactly. when you're like 25. And then it's just like, but you're an adult now. Like what you're saying is like, Drake, you got responsibilities back home. Somebody's got to pay that mortgage. Yeah, it was funny. Actually, I actually, um, I was recently thinking about how brilliant the opening of Uncharted Four is, mm-hmm. where he's, um, uh, the you think you're you're going for sunken treasure. Yep. And then it just pulls up, and he's just like working just a normal ass job. Yep. And they make it seem. I think the thing that's really cool that and it's kind of one of those realizations I think I've had as an adult where the mundane is actually some of like the best moments of life. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. when you are in a, when you're a kid, not a kid, I wouldn't say a kid, like when you're in your twenties or stuff, like you want those like big, exciting moments, but really that sort of just like coming home to somebody. Exactly. is like, yeah. you're, you're doing all this stuff. And then it's like the, the moment where you're like connecting most with is like, man, it's just nice that they're just sitting on the couch playing some crash bandicoot. Like, yeah. that's yeah. nice. Yeah. That's what I want to do right now. I don't, I don't, yeah, exactly. And it doesn't make it seem like that's a bad thing. It's not like he gave up his life. Exactly. And again, I think just the way that that game does all that just is so good. And it makes it one of my, honestly, one of my favorite games ever is just because of that, that whole thing. And I mean, obviously, you get to some of the cool stuff later with the actual treasure hunting, but just the first three to five hours of that game are just incredible. Mm hmm. It's a cool game. I I, I I don't like the Uncharted series, and I like Uncharted 4 a lot. There you go. All right, what do you got next? Got to talk about Astrobot, man. Yes, <laughs> you do. Astrobot is 
so fucking good. I don't know. It's, I'm trying to think. Like, like, it's indescribable. It is. It is. It is indescribable. It is. It is like I think arguably the probably the best 3D platformer game I've ever played. I don't know. It felt like it feels like it feels like playing Mario 64 for the first time. It fe- it really does. Yes. I know this sounds it sounds so hyperbolic, but like <laughs> it feels like the feeling of playing Mario 64. It's like oh, the game has changed. <laughs> this yeah. is something new, and it's insanely high quality, and it is charming as hell, and it yep. is just like polished to a T. It is, I. It was, it's one of the best, it, I would be hard pressed to not say it's one of the best games I've ever played, period. Like, fa- and one of my favorite games, period. Same. It's just amazing. Yeah. I and don't I know think, what else to say. <laughs> I, well, I think you, you use the Mario 64 analogy, and I brought that up earlier with Odyssey. Mario Odyssey, to me, is the pinnacle of that 3D platform Mario genre. Sure. Astrobot yeah. is to Super Mario 64 Mario Odyssey what Mario 64 was to Sonic and Super Mario World. It's yeah, going, sure. you used to do this, and this, and that's fine. You do that. You could do those things so well in Super Mario World. You're such a great game, but we're going to do this now. And as you're yeah. playing through Astrobot, you're just like, this This is the way that that I want to play these games now. Like I want these weird VR things. And VR as a whole, I, Astrobot is the only VR game I could sit here and say, like, I would want to spend more than 10 or 15, more than a minute talking about. There's Sure. If you count uh, te- if you count Tetris Effect, um, I was gonna say Res Infinite sick. Yeah, <laughs> but continue. But I think it's the only like game that's not just doing like some cool visual stuff in VR sure. that I'd want to talk about. Just because the way that that implements VR, it completely is a game changer. Because you've got to you've got to look around the corner. You've got to tilt your head up. You've got to look around this world. Whereas before Mario sixty four was really unique in the fact that you had this camera that followed you around and it gave you this yeah. view of the three D world. Astrobot goes, okay, we're taking away that camera, but you are now that camera. Look at what you want to unencumbered by, oh, crap, I'm hitting a wall, I'm hitting a wall, I'm hitting a wall, or oh, I can't quite get it up right, right? It took you, mm-hmm. put you in that camera, kind of like Mario 64 went from, well, you can only see Mario 2D, now you can see all around Mario, now it's, okay, you're in this world, look around, find yeah. what you want to find. Yeah, and it was, um, yeah, it, it, it puts you in it. It was it just felt like it felt like the game. I mean, VR does this a lot, but I think like just the, the quick thing on VR, just in general, and, and Astrobot specifically, like it felt like a fun world to be in. Yeah. It felt like when you're like you're saying we were playing play Mario sixty four, it's like I would like to be in the Mario world. Yeah. And this one, like you are in the Astrobot world, and the Astrobot world is a place full of beaches and cute mm-hmm. little robots and <laughs> fun times, and it's just like a good place to be in. Yeah. I like how, I like how welcoming it is, especially compared to a lot of VR games, like. You know, we can, it's like people think they're here. We can scare the shit out of them. It's yes. Like, or we can just give them a real good time. I don't know. <laughs> we, we can make a good game around this concept more than we talked about. It. We didn't do a couple of VR reviews before where it's like, oh, you're now Batman. Oh, you are now yeah. a member of the stars team in Resident Evil. But now it's like, no, just be in this world. Just relax in this world. Play this game in this world. Explore this world how you want to explore this world. Yeah. Yeah. It, it felt like playing that that to me felt like of all the games probably playing like and even if it's not the future of games it felt like a game from the future yeah yeah exactly and and it i don't think there's going to be much else that ever does what astrobot does at least not soon just because mm-hmm. the vr is not there yet but i think astrobot is a game that you can look at you know, we'll look back on 10 years from now and go man astrobot was really ahead of its time oh yeah 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 i It'll be weird. I feel like it's going to be one of those things that like games could have gone away and maybe didn't. 
Yeah, yeah. And this was this was showing you that direction and like they maybe they didn't do it, but like at least it was like pointing in the direction like a way the games like could have gone as just like an entire industry. Yeah, had VR caught on, this is what we would be doing for platform games. Yeah, yeah. In in alternate timeline where VR becomes just embraced by all and loved by all. It could be our timeline if Facebook has anything to say about it. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Like I said, 10 years from now, who knows what we're talking about, but sure. Yeah. Um, so I have a couple more quick ones. I don't want to spend too much time on these, but these are just ones that stuck in my brain where I was like, "Mm, I don't, I don't think these are necessarily like some of my favorite games from this genre, but they, or this gen, but they did some really cool things. Sure. Um, Death Stranding. I just finished it about a month or two ago. Uh, this game, just the way that it has confidence in its ridiculousness <laughs> is something that I think kind of came out this gen where you have these like games that do one thing and it's weird, but they're so confident in this weird thing that they're doing that it works. Yeah. <laughs> and that's Death Stranding. And it's well-defined weirdness. <laughs> yeah. It's like you, you just are this delivery guy. You're delivering this package. Go. And it's like, no, but what am I doing? It's like, shut up deliver the package like that's what you're doing well are you gonna are you gonna like later on are you gonna no you're delivering the damn package do it and there's just so much confidence in it and i think you see that in some of the the new not new genres but genres that i think are more embraced now like your um kind of your choice games like until dawn life is strange where it's like but but all i'm doing is just making a choice and i'm watching the game but yes but those choices are going to hit you and those choices are important so um yeah uh, another quick one until dawn kind of going on that same thing just the way that it does choice yeah. and the way that it kind of moved that whole concept into like oh we have three endings and until dawn's like no 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 no, we got three endings in the first half hour yeah, yeah. <laughs> first half hour you got four different stories going on and by the time you get to the end of the game like who knows what happened and i think just that kind of pushed things forward and you know i'm almost disappointed that we haven't seen more of that and again like life is strange i love life is strange does a little bit Mm -hmm. of that but until dawn just with its complete just abandonment of like there's one or two things that you know what i mean every time you play those games you feel like there's one or two things that has to happen yeah until dawn never gives you that feeling and then i think there are things that do happen no matter what but sure you never get that sense as a player like oh yeah this is the part where this is going to happen i think it did the best of of hiding the mechanics Exactly. And I think especially when you look at what that evolved from with like the Walking Dead and those Telltale games, which the first couple of times you had that magic of like, oh, I'm making my choices. And then by the time you get to the second or third one, you're like, no, I'm not. You, you're just yeah. you're, you're, you're going, who you made a choice and they'll remember. And it's like, no, no, they don't. They don't give a shit until <laughs> Don is like, no, like that dude doesn't have a head anymore. Sorry. He remembers that. Yeah. And, and like, I think there I think there's definitely you don't see the plot armor as much as other games like just like what you're saying like they just did they just perfected that sort of genre yeah. of i think that also i think the game also did something kind of brave in that it made a lot of your main cast pretty unlikable from the offset <laughs> and you had to learn to like them yeah <laughs> which yeah. is i think i think that's why um maybe those like newer games and by the same company too like the man of Medan and that sort of thing you mm-hmm. don't have enough time to spend with the characters but like that game is long it is not a short game and like no. you want these characters to live <laughs> <laughs> you're convinced by the end um the last one yeah. this one kind of follows with yakuza that i just want to throw out there because again it's one of those things that i'll remember even though it's not necessarily a super specific game um is danganronpa 
<laughs> just sure. because this is yeah. another one that I played on PS4 and was just like, this is the coolest thing ever. Like, why did nobody tell me this existed before? And it's just so unique. And it just, it's a game that surprised me that I liked. And it's one of those things that I, I'm constantly, every time I th- see anything from the developers, it's like, oh yeah, the guys who did Danganronpa, I'm like, more Dan- oh, no, not more Danganronpa. <laughs> okay, whatever. Like, but it's just, it's one of those things that sticks out. So not necessarily games that I think will stand the test of time quite as much as those other ones that I was talking about, but just games that yeah. I think had this really cool, unique thing that they did. No, I think it's a part. I think it's important to bring those because I think I always think it's kind of interesting. I think the games that kind of get lost in these discussions is like, what was the best game of 2019? Yeah. But it's more like, what were the pretty goodest games during that? <laughs> <laughs> what are the games that did like, something kind of cool that like, yeah, not. You definitely don't need to play Danganronpa, but Danganronpa has some weird ass shit going on that's really cool. Yeah, I, I think like one of the ones actually I was thinking because I was thinking because I, I didn't have quite a hit list of like games I want to talk about real quick. But I think one of the ones that did stick out to me is like, oh, we should, I feel like we should mention it would be like, like Night in the Woods. I feel like just oh, yeah. did amazing, amazing dialogue. I would say even the plot, I don't remember. I just remember the characters talking like oh, this is how real people talk. Yeah. And it's just like was not expecting that in a video game. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, I think I think Edith Finch is like another one that kind of stuck out as just having yep. some like really cool unique stuff. Um, and I, I, I guess the one I the one I did want I like didn't talk about, but I, I think probably one of my favorite games. Um, I think one of the more daring games was The Witness. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of what you're talking about, like with like doing a weird thing. It's like I'm just doing line, like kind of what you're saying with like delivering <laughs> stuff or like a confidence. And it's like yeah, single idea. It's like you're doing line puzzles. Like no, I've, oh, I'm doing this. Like no, no, no. You're you're doing line puzzles, but we're gonna explore that idea in so many cool, interesting, unique ways. But really, at the end of the day, you're just doing line puzzles. And they made yep. a line puzzle one of my favorite games of all time. Like that is that's <laughs> a crazy accomplishment. <laughs> yeah. And again, and I think that's where it comes out that it's like in, in like Death Stranding. I think you play Death Stranding, you know, there's people are going to hate the hell out of this game. Oh, I yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, but I'm walking around and I played The Witness for probably an hour or two. And I was like, this this is it. This is it. This is it. And the game's like, yes, this is it. And I'm like, I don't I don't care if you don't like it. This is it. Like, yeah, go yeah. away then. Go play your stupid other game. We're going to do some line puzzles. And yeah. and I think that just that confidence even seeps through. because It's like that's one of those games where. I will never touch again. I played my hour sure. and a half was like, nope, but I can look at that game and go, if, if I was into this, this would be so cool. This is doing something yeah. so unique. So cool. It's just, sorry, not my deal. And that's the thing that's cool. It's like all of the games like that we've all talked about. It's like, I feel like, yeah, you may not like them in your own way or something like that. I will never play Crusader Kings three, mm-hmm. but I'm sure that game is amazing to yeah. somebody. It's like, it's their favorite game. It's, it's whatever it is. It's a, it's no longer a question of quality with this gen. It was more of a question of what your preference is, what your style is, what your whatever is. Yeah. Um, like if, like I'm sure it's some of the best basketball games were ever made were during this period. <laughs> I don't play basketball games, yeah. but I'm sure they were the best basketball games it's ever been. <laughs> yeah. And and again, I think that brings us back to where we started there. This the past six or seven years have just been such a quality year, quality years for video games that looking forward to PS5, I think that's where it's like I would not have expected Yakuza Zero, yeah. um, Astrobot to be yeah. like my favorite games from PlayStation 4, but here we are. So I think just looking forward to PlayStation 5, especially because now we're past the push for graphics like we talked about and what unique things can we do, I think that's going to be really cool to see what where are we seven years from now when we have the same conversation. Yeah, I think, it, I think it's interesting because PS4 started, I think, with like PS, like The Last of Us, I think kind of set the tone yep. for 
the PS4 gen. Yeah. And now I'm just like thinking about like all of these super cool games that are coming out near the end. It's like, it's just saying the tone of like this gen next is going to be great. Like it's, yeah. and it's not just a games are going to be serious. Now it's like games can be anything now. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's just, and they can find success in a game that can be anything and like games that can be anything. It's, and it's, it's extremely exciting. Yeah. Agreed. And I think that's, that's a good way to wrap it up is just, there's some cool stuff that's happened and hopefully cooler stuff that happens in the next seven years. We are Workforce Gaming. You can follow us on Twitter at Workforce Gaming. Subscribe to us wherever you're listening, and we will see you later. Bye.